Patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about Chinese police stations operating on U.S. soil. We'll talk about the USDA wanting to know where your garden is. And Oregon potentially going Republican in their upcoming gubernatorial election. Next on Living with Liberty. Will our elected officials and bureaucrats realize that China is not our friend and that all of their interests in the United States right now should be regarded as a security threat? We know about the buying of North Dakota farmland near a U.S. air base that the purchase of essentially went unquestioned. Some in the media questioned it. Some in our government questioned it. By and large, many ignored it. And that's not the only one that they've purchased, though. That's not the only bit of land that the Chinese have purchased near uh, U.S. military installations. According to Clyde Prestowitz, who is a China expert, the Chinese have been buying farmland near bases, not for farming, but to keep an eye on our bases. Now, that's not a surprise to anyone here, I'm sure. You would think it's not a surprise to anyone in our government, too, but they're pretty dumb. So I wouldn't put it past them to say, oh, really? They're not farming anything there? Oh, interesting. They told us they were going to be farming. Right. Here's what uh, Prestowitz had to say about it. He said this. One of the things that bothers me in the U.S.-China relationship is the ignorance of, of the U.S. side on the limits to which the Chinese will go to obtain intelligence or the lack of limits thereof. The Chinese aren't above going and looking under any nook, cranny, rock, whatever, to come up with some intelligence that they feel might put them over the top when it comes to competition with the United States, let's say. Honestly, that bothers me too, that our government doesn't understand that China is not our friend, that they do all they can to propagandize our people, to spy on us, to steal our our intellectual property for their own gain. And and our officials just let them do it without consequence. We, We put all these barriers up to countries like Russia and Cuba and Iran and North Korea. And we don't, uh, we don't do the same to China when they're acting out of line. We are indeed really stupid when it comes to China and their intentions. We, for whatever reason, probably has a lot to do with corporate interests. Let's be real here. Let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, That's probably a good source of the stupidity when it comes to our relationship with China and what China's intentions are operating on U.S. soil with the U.S. in terms of a trade partnership, if you can even call it a partnership. I'll pose this question out there. When we think about this, how much land does Russia or Iran or North Korea own near our military bases? Now, here's an indication. When I did a search for any of those countries on how much land do they own near U.S. military bases, nothing but China stories were what came back in the search. 
it, it was there was no hey Russia bought uh, farmland or whatever near this base or Iran bought farmland. None of that. They they have no land interest near our bases whatsoever. So why is China different? And the fact that our idiot government, the idiot bureaucrats in in I don't know Department of Defense in certainly the White House, wherever, whoever makes these decisions and looks at this from a, a security standpoint, uh, Homeland Security, there we go. What's Mayorkas doing? Oh, he's too busy with the border and leaving that open. That's what he's doing. Why isn't anybody questioning this? Why doesn't anybody say, hey, mm, that's a bad idea. Why are we letting uh, companies or individuals or whoever tied to the Chinese Communist Party buy land near our military bases? Russia doesn't have any land near military bases. Iran doesn't. North Korea doesn't. Why is China different? It's not, though, it's not just land near military bases that China is buying. I think we knew about the North Dakota. That was probably the most recent one and I would say probably the most publicized one. There's others, but there's also this little tidbit. The Chinese have also opened a police department of their own, run by China, a Chinese police department in New York City. And this doesn't concern anyone. Not a peep about this. Nothing in the mainstream media about this. Where is the questioning of this from the the people that are supposed to hold our government accountable? How can a foreign law enforcement agency be allowed to operate on our soil? How can they operate outside of their own country? And it's not just the United States that has this. We're not the only ones with a Chinese police station. There's 54 of these things around the world. And they were supposedly set up. Here's the line from the CCP on this thing. They're supposedly set up for Chinese nationals to help them renew their driver's licenses. Wait, hold on. To renew their driver's licenses. Yeah, right. What are these police stations really for? Surveillance. Surveillance of Chinese nationals, surveillance of the dissidents that escape the mainland, come to places like the United States to get away from it, to have free speech, to to be able to speak out against their government freely. It's for surveillance of those folks, and it's for surveillance of the people of the country, the government of the country in which these police stations are located in. Now, the police stations are there, and they put it at the CCP puts it really nice and it's they're there to persuade Chinese fugitives to return to the country. And we know what those fugitives are. If if they were really fugitives, we'd be throwing them out in a heartbeat. So they're not really fugitives. And what that is is code for we don't want to go through the normal extradition channels to have dissidents return to China. That's what that statement is code for. It allows China to avoid any scrutiny for their human rights violations. That's what these police stations are there for, to persuade fugitives, um, more like dissidents, to return to China to face whatever the CCP wants them to face from a punishment standpoint for speaking out against the regime. Now, what's worse is even our own FBI Yes, our corrupt-ass FBI warned our government about the reason China has been setting up these police outposts. And this is uh, according to an Epic Times piece that I will link in the description box. 
In July 2020, FBI Director Christopher Wray warned the, C- that, uh, warned the CCP had targeted hundreds of Chinese nationals living in the United States to force them to return, which was part of the CCP's global campaign known as Operation Fox Hunt. This from Ray, he said this, China describes Fox Hunt as some kind of international anti-corruption campaign. It's not. Instead, Fox Hunt is a sweeping bid by Xi to target Chinese nationals whom he sees as threats and who live outside China across the world, Ray told the Hudson Institute at, in Washington at that time, so in 2020, July 2020. He goes on to say, we're talking about political rivals, dissidents, and critics seeking to expose China's extensive human rights violations. So even Christopher Wray put aside, had time, he put aside the FBI's political interventionism during the 2020 election long enough to warn people in our country, in our government, about the real reason for the Chinese police station on U.S. soil. And the country of freedom and liberty doesn't even care that they, the Chinese put this police station operating, a, basically a law enforcement operating on foreign soil to go after dissidents who dare speak out against Xi Jinping. Now, if this is really about uh, Chinese nationals getting their driver license, driver's license renewed, if that was the real reason for this police station on U.S. soil, wouldn't the Chinese embassy be able to handle that? Wouldn't they be able to work with the Chinese embassy in Washington, D.C. to go ahead and help Chinese nationals who are here in this country get their driver's licenses renewed? That seems like it would be something that would be handled through those channels, no? Now, you or I may not be fooled by the Chinese their intentions here with this police station, but it sure seems the dummies in our government are fooled or they just don't care or they're just keeping quiet because of their their corporate interests and they want to keep that corporate money coming into their campaigns. It's one of those options, I'm sure. They are dumb, but, you know, they're, they're maliciously dumb sometimes. The Chinese police has have no authority... The Chinese have no authority to operate on U.S. soil in this manner. They have no authority to have a police station, a law enforcement agency operating on our soil to go after their citizens. Once their citizens are in our country, their citizens are then subject to our laws, not Chinese laws. They're not subject to whatever restrictions Xi Jinping has in terms of speaking out on uh, politically. They, they have no authority to operate here. And to boot, like I said before, these are very likely the vast majority are law-abiding, uh, law-abiding folks that are here in the United States legally. So there's no reason for them to be returned to China from a legal standpoint as far as the United States laws are concerned. Their only crime in the eyes of China really is speaking out against the Chinese regime. Now, this uh, police outpost is not 
only there to harass Chinese citizens. It's also there to serve as another note of surveillance for the CCP in America. It's in our biggest city. It's in our largest city. There's a lot. It's in the financial capital of our country. So you don't think for a second that not only are they harassing Chinese citizens, Chinese nationals who are expatriates, if you will, who are here legally, but it's also there surveilling our financial markets and everything else that goes on in New York City. I mean, our biggest city. There's a lot that goes on there. You don't think that they're, the Chinese aren't spying on it through this police station they got set up there? It's just another way for for China to spy, propagandize, and sabotage America. That's what the purpose of this police station is. And our government officials have their heads jammed so far up their rectums that they don't see it or they don't care, and they're not giving a second thought to the purpose of this Chinese police outpost. Those at the highest levels of our government need to wake up. They need to take action. They need to make the Chinese divest their land holdings around our military outposts, and they need to shut down this police post immediately. If you are listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star review. It helps others find the show. Whether you are listening to the audio-only version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, hit the Rumble thumbs up, subscribe buttons. The more interactions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by those algorithms and the more we are able to spread the truth. Okay, moving on. The USDA wants to know where your garden is. They want you to register your garden as part of their People's Garden Initiative. Yes, there are specific criteria that need to be met to be listed as a People's Garden, to be listed in the, the register of the USDA's People's Gardens. And I'll get to those in a minute. But as we've seen, it won't be long until they are further broadening the criteria, until they are making demands, until they are strongly recommending whatever you want to call it. Um, and then eventually, as we saw with the jabs, they will probably come to a point where they'll just outright demand that you register your own personal vegetable garden with them or face punishment and consequences and not be able to participate in society. We've seen this, we, we've seen this show already. Now, the criteria for you to register your garden as a people's garden is this. First one, benefit the community by providing food, beautification, arts, wildlife habitat, education, green space, tree canopy, recreation, volunteer opportunities. That's the first one. Pretty broad. Here's a second one. It's a collaborative effort involving neighbors, co-workers, food pantries, master gardeners, conservation districts, USD agencies. Well, imagine that. Uh, veterans, youth organizations, seniors, faith-based groups, or others. The third one incorporates sustainable practices. There's our favorite word, sustainable again, such as rain barrels or micro-irrigation, composting, cover crops, pest management, bad houses, or insect hotels. Why would you want to put insects up in a hotel? I don't want them outside of the, the pollinating bees or any other pollinators, butterflies are cool, right? Anything that pollinates my garden, I'm good. So if we got like a beehive or, or a, a, a butterfly hotel, fine. But the rest of these things, they just eat my, they just eat and, uh, my plants. I don't want the rest of them. I don't need no insects. Get those things out. Anyway, tangent. 
<laughs> and the last one there in that section is native plants. And the fourth uh, piece of this, educate the public about sustainable practices and the benefit of local food systems through signage classes, events, outreach materials, websites, and youth field trips. Yeah, let's, hey, let's go take a, a field trip to Joe Smith's backyard garden here, see what we can uh, learn from that, right? All right. <laughs> so there's the criteria, pretty broad, pretty all-encompassing, right? So what do I think is going on here with this? It's an effort to further intrude on your life. Now, the, the USDA has been pretty quiet about this for a while. So the fact that they are kind of bringing it back to the forefront, making a renewed effort to market this thing, tells me that they want to become even more intrusive in your life. And they, they, those running these bureaucracies want to further impart their socialist nonsense on this country. Now, we've all seen the community gardens. We've all, I'm sure many of us have some sort of community garden somewhere in the place that we live. And you know what? I think they're a great thing for the community. These gardens people get together, they put them, uh, uh, plant, put the plants in, they maintain, they weed, they do everything uh, to take care of the garden, and it's for the community. So I think they're a great thing. But that's not what you'll have after you register it with the USDA. What they'll have then, what the purpose of this is, is to give this government bureaucracy a list of places where people are growing their food outside of the government's reach and control. Because this is all food the government has no control over currently. They have no way to control people who are growing their own food. So they need to get a registry of personal gardens So they have the list so they know where to look later on. Food that leads to the self-sufficiency of the citizenry and the government can have that. That's the purpose here. These gardens allow people to not have to rely on government. They don't have to rely on going to the store. I can grow my own food. Why do I need to go to the store? Why do I need to buy the, the, the crap that the USDA says is good for us? And the crap that, you know, the companies pay the USDA to say is good for us. Citizens that have access to their own food are not a dependent people and therefore will not bend to the will of bureaucrats. They won't bend to the will of government. So by inviting these people and the community gardens that meet the, that criteria, the USDA now starts a list accessible to bureaucrats across the government, not just the USDA, across the government, people in your own community, of places where independent food production is happening. And then they know where to go and shut things down should they ever get a stranglehold on the means of production in the country here. And you think I'm kidding about this? Go ask a Dutch farmer friend about how the New World Order's attack uh, and what that did on their, to their farmers. You, we all remember that. The, the Dutch government coming down and attacking their farmers for climate change. This isn't about climate change. It's not about expanding community gardens. It's not expa- about the, the BS. We'll get into a, in a minute here about how, what the USDA says this is. It's about control over you. The Dutch government already exhibited that. They obviously have less restrictions than our bureaucracies as, as, the USDA is trying to get this to be more voluntary at this point. 
But it's the same thing. It's an attack and will become an attack on our food supply, on our self-sufficiency. I want you, did you notice, I, I kind of mentioned it, but did you notice how the USDA's criteria is actually pretty comprehensive, yet still open-ended? They included anybody and everybody you could think of. Uh, they, they included um, that the, the educational requirement was pretty broad. You could meet it with a pretty broad stroke. It was very comprehensive. They, they didn't really leave anybody out. You can register, you could go and register your backyard garden today if you wanted to. I'll make the case for that in a minute here. And that's what they want you to do. So let's take a look at this. So let's take a look at these a few of these criteria. So first one, benefiting the community by providing food. Well, if you sell your produce at a farmer's market, if you give away your uh, some of your, your food that you grow in your own garden to uh, friends, family, a neighbor, whoever, you're, benef- you're benefiting the community by providing food, right? I grew this. I gave it to my neighbor. I'm providing them with food. Boom, done. Criteria met. It must be a collaborative effort. But then they list everyone possible who could help with your garden. So if it's m- me and my kids, me and my wife, you and a neighbor, you and a family member, whoever that is helping with the garden, Boom, criteria met. It's a collaborative effort between two people. What do you need for a collaborative effort? You need two people working together. If you're working on your garden with somebody, if it's a family garden, then you're working with somebody. Same with the sustainable practices, right? You might say, oh, rain barrel. I don't do rain barrels. I don't have micro-irrigation. I compost my garden when the plants are done for the year. I turn them out under their dirt. uh, And I do other things like I throw scraps from when I'm cutting peppers up to can or tomatoes or even just leave, uh, you know, any bad produce. I just throw it back down in the garden to compost. I throw grass clippings. I'll throw some leaves in the garden once they, the trees are done here. That's a sustainable practice. I'm taking and putting organic material back into my soil to compost. Or uh, So that's uh, under that definition, sustainable practice. Educate the the public is about the only thing I don't do, and even that's broad, right? That was broad enough. I could. I don't do it. But there are small-scale farms, little hobby farms, smaller gardens, community gardens, whatever, that do as a tourist attraction, especially if you have a small farm or something, they do it as a tourist attraction to help generate some additional income for themselves. So, that fits, right? And I have no doubt that depending how tight the FD or the USDA wants to wrap their fingers around this, they they won't, you know, it'll come to a point where they'll change this criteria to invite more of the backyard hobby gardeners to apply for people's garden status as well by tweaking that that uh, education piece just enough to to make it fit where now it's applicable to ninety nine point nine percent of the people in the country. Now, you might be saying, Ryan, take off the tinfoil hat here. The the government just wants to let people know where these community gardens are. They want people to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. They want people to be able to to grow their own food. They want, um, you know, people to learn about sustainable practices. They have no ill intentions. You might be saying, and 
the USDA just wants to, as they put it, build more diversified and resilient local food systems, empowering communities to come together around expanding access to healthy food, addressing climate change and advancing equity. Go ahead and believe the government bullshit if you want, but they've proven time and time again, their only aim is to strip our freedom and liberty in any facet and every facet of life that they can. Period. That is what this is about. Take away your independence so you have to rely on daddy government for everything. We have no reason to believe that this is some benign, feel-good, do-good program for communities. It's not. The bureaucracy has given us no reason to trust them at this point in anything they do. This is about getting together more government lists of who has what and who is doing what so they know who to target later. There's no better tool to control people than the food supply. That's just a fact. There's no altruism in government, in our government especially, any government. There's, governments are not altruistic. We are right to be skeptical of their every move, especially when they've so blatantly trampled our Constitution and our rights in the very recent past and look back further over the course of history, really as these government bureaucrats have done everything they can to amass more and more power for themselves. They just worm their way in, and before you know it, they're, you know, you're beholden to a bureaucracy. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Do you have a topic you'd like to hear me cover? We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. I'll answer the question or read your comments on the show. All right. The winds of political change are really blowing hard. I mean, really blowing hard. Reasonable Democrats are fed up with the Democratic Party as well. And because of this, it could result in Oregon electing a Republican governor for the first time in 40-plus years. Now, Phil Knight, founder of Nike, has had enough of the third-world his state has become and is very publicly backing Not the Democrat running for governor, but the independent in the race, Betsy Johnson. Some outlets as well have have, uh, noted that he's given money to the Republican running in the race as well. Maybe that was before Betsy Johnson got in the race. I'm not sure. Um, But from what I've seen, uh, just to be open and transparent and candid from what I've seen, it's been Betsy Johnson, the independent that he has been, Phil Knight has been backing. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, just wanted to put that out there. You'll probably, if you go and check this out for yourself, you might see stories going both ways that it's just Betsy Johnson. There are some stories out there that say he's backed uh, and given money to both the Republican running and Betsy Johnson. Now, Betsy Johnson is a former Democrat Hence, I can see why Phil, Phil Knight's backing uh, her uh, more so than the Republican. Phil Knight is a Democrat. But I'll ask this, what does that say about the current state of the Democrat Party when a former Democrat is running? So Betsy Johnson left the Democrat Party, is running as an independent in Oregon. What does that say about the state of, of the Democrat Party when you've got a liberal state like Oregon 
with a independent who's actually sucking up a fair amount of, of support. And where is she going to suck that support from the Democrats? Republicans aren't going to back her. There might be a few, but uh, by and large, Republicans aren't going to back Betsy Johnson, being a former Democrat, assuming that she's probably, even though an independent, still leaning uh, towards the Democrat, uh, some of the Democrat platform anyway. I mean, the, the, the winds are blowing hard here. Democrats are fed up with the Democrat Party. Now, Phil Knight has said he will do anything to ensure that a Democrat is not elected as a governor. So, Phil Knight has had enough. Phil Knight's not leaving the Democrat Party, but he's not donating to them either. He said, enough, I'm going to make sure we do not have a Democrat, par- uh, a Democrat governor elected here. Well, it's pretty smart. Let's split that ticket then with a Democrat left-leaning Let's not call her Democrat. Maybe she's more of a moderate, left-leaning, independent at this point. I don't know much about Betsy Johnson or her overall politics. Um, But given that Phil Knight, and we'll talk about Phil Knight a little bit more here in a minute too, but given that Phil Knight's backing her, that she left the Democrat Party, she's probably more moderate and left-leaning. So that's going to suck from where the Democrats mostly and they're in a world of hurt in Oregon right now in terms of the governor's race. Because now with this, uh, with Betsy Johnson in, in the race, the Republicans actually leading in the polls there by, I think it was three points or something like that. So Phil Knight, he's not donating to them. He's supporting other options. He's behind, like I said, he's, there's reports he's been behind the Republican candidate. He's certainly behind Betsy Johnson, this, this independent former Democrat. He's been vocal He's been vocal in his opposition to the rampant drug use and homelessness that he believes, and rightfully so, is decreasing the quality of life in Oregon. Now, Knight had a very interesting analogy to share about the miserable state that Oregon is in here. He said this, One of the political cartoons after our legislative session had a person snorting cocaine out of a mountain of white. It said, which of these is illegal in Oregon? And the answer was the plastic straw. Now, this perfectly sums up the liberal logic. It perfectly sums up what we see from the Democrat Party. You want to destroy your health. You want to destroy your body, your family, relationships. You want to destroy those around you through unfettered drug use. Go for it. We're all for that. Just don't snort it up through the plastic straw. We want the environment pristine, even though we leave it looking crappy every time we protest. And also, even though we look the other way when people are crapping all over the sidewalks. So that just that political cartoon and what Phil Knight there illustrated perfectly sums up today's Democrat Party, sums up the liberal logic. Well, you want to destroy yourself, your family, everything you care about by, you know, snorting it up your nose. Fine, but just don't do it through a plastic straw here. Use one of these paper ones or these renewal uh, reusable metal ones you can get in the store, whatever. Just don't use a plastic one. We don't want, uh, you know, sea turtles choking on them, which I don't. I don't. I, I think it's horrible, all the plastic that ends up in the ocean. Don't write me about that. But I think that's horrible. We should. We have one environment. We should take care of it. But this is just stupid. The logic here is stupid. Now, here's the thing about and, and Phil Knight. So we need people like Phil Knight. He's a big Democrat donor who decided he had enough of the Democrat Party, is standing up to the Democrat Party and saying, screw you, 
you guys are idiots. I'm backing this independent and maybe some Republicans. Now, as a conservative, there's obviously things that I'm likely on the opposite end of the spectrum when I compare it to what Phil Knight probably believes. I Again, I, I don't know, you know a ton about Phil Knight's overall politics, which is probably a good thing outside he's a Democrat now getting more vocal. Uh, maybe he has in the past and I just ignored it. I don't know. but he, So there's things I'm sure we're on the opposite end of the spectrum of. You know, and, and Phil Knight calls himself more conservative conservative than the Nike brand itself, which I found interesting. And I would say he definitely is because he's pro-life. He's probably more of a JFK Democrat, I would say, just given the little bit I've read in this, in the story here and in a little bit of research I've done on Phil Knight. Um, not again, not a ton. So, Again, probably opposite ends of the spectrum on some things, but there's a lot of things that we have in common. And if we're going to beat back the tyranny and insanity spreading in our country that's taken hold, that has ruined places like Oregon and California, and you want to take it down uh, to city level, great cities like Portland and San Francisco and L.A. and even Seattle out on the left coast there, and pick a big city, Chicago, New York, whatever. Just this insanity that's taken over. If we're going to beat back the idiocy of this, we need to join with people like Phil Knight, who seems by all accounts very sensible. Again, we have some of what are those common interests, and that's where you start. Phil Knight wants to see his state and in, in our country prosper. That's what I get out of this. He's tired of seeing just, just the wretchedness that is the liberal policies. Anybody that wants to see us return to freedom and liberty, law and order, and probably most importantly, sane policy is all right in my book, no matter what their political affiliation is. If, if you're sane and you're willing to talk about these things and acknowledge that there are real problems and not turn the other way and look the other way when you got someone crapping outside your, your office there and, you know, the mayor's office in New York or in uh, uh, San Francisco or burning down courthouses in Portland, which is more apt, I guess, of an example, because we're talking about Phil Knight here with Nike based in Oregon. Anybody that's for that, I can have a conversation with, I have respect for, and I can work with. I don't care what their political affiliation may be at the end of the day. At that point, let's just, how do we make things better? That's what this has to be about. We have a commonality in our culture As Americans, no matter what side of the aisle we may stand on, we might have different ideas on how to get to the end result. As a conservative, I think it's, you know, I may think it's more, um, let's, let's give people a hand up. Maybe they need a little assistance, but let's teach them the skills on, on how to better themselves. We're, you know, on the liberal side, it's let's give them more money and have compassion. Fine. We can blend those and, and, and make a, a good solution there, I am having compassion by teaching somebody how to do for themselves. We don't just have to shower them with money. I can work with people that are willing to have that conversation. And we have all have in this country a common culture. We have to embrace that. We have to embrace that we are first Americans, and we're not Democrats or Republicans. We are first and foremost Americans. We should care First and foremost, what happens here and what happens to our fellow countrymen first before any political party. 
I don't care Republican or Democrat. They're both useless. We have to embrace our commonality as Americans. And we have to do that if we're going to return our constitutional republic to a country that is for the people, by the people, and is uh, the greatest country on the face of this planet once again. All right, I've got a couple of quick stories here to finish up for today. Now, apparently, Eric Shartwell has some explaining to do about his expense reports for the first nine months of this year. Fang Fang's boy toy was still so scared of the vid that he did a lot of vote by proxy this year, something like 48 times. Yet, even though he didn't show up for work, didn't show up to his job, said 48 times, said, yeah, I'm not coming in here, uh, whatever other representative he gave uh, his vote to vote for me. Here's my vote, vote in proxy. Even though he did that, he didn't, couldn't show up to work, couldn't be bothered to show up to work. He still managed to spend 250000 of your tax dollars on travel and car services for the first nine months of the year. That's $250,000, uh, and we're not even through the year yet. So if you extrapolate that out, we're probably, if that pace of spending continues, looking at mm, three hundred to $350,000 in expenses for this clown. Uh, unreal. I mean, this, th- I'm not really sure how this works. You don't show up to work, but you still get to expense travel and car services and meals and whatever else. Uh, how does that work? Well, and it doesn't stop there on this expense report. Oh, no. He spent over $33,000 on child care services for campaign events. That's what it's listed on that expense report as. But the vendor he listed on the report is himself. So he paid himself to watch his kid. And the kid, oh, by the way, that him and his wife are screwing up, but we've covered that before. It'll be interesting to see what lame excuse Mr. Fang Fang will have in regards to what looks like mismanagement of taxpayer money. Just mind-boggling. These people think you don't notice, you won't notice. It's a hierarchy here. This isn't even... Uh, you know, they don't even, they're not even of, you know, like us. They think they're better than us. This is a hierarchy thing. I'm still going to spend the money, even though I'm not showing up for work sort of thing. Uh, Just unreal. California, do yourself a favor and get rid of this guy. And then uh, we've got crying Adam Kinzinger, who should just leave the Republican party already. I mean, he's been shelling out money to Democrats running against Trump Republicans. And now he's got some delusion that the sham January 6th committee is actually going to do anything with the subpoena they just served Trump. And even worse, even worse than that. I mean, as if it could get worse than that. But Kinzinger seems to think people actually care about the proceedings. And this is a fact that Jeff Charles uh, notes in his Red State article. I'll link it in the description box. It's a decent read. Charles notes this after quoting crying Adam, just droning on about the DOJ moving forward on this anyway, even without the committee or the committee or whatever, who cares? It's Adam Kinzinger. He's irrelevant. Um, Illinois managed to gerrymander his district out. So um, (laughs) we won't have to deal with this clown much longer unless somehow he jumps to the Democrat party and does useful idiots things for them anyway. But at any way, here's, here's what uh, Charles wrote about, uh, crying at him here in his, uh, his drivel, says this, I've got some bad news for Kinzinger. The Democrats' House Select Committee will do nothing to erase questions about the result of the 2020 race. Very few Americans actually take these proceedings seriously. Indeed, 
most, including Democrats, believe it to be a politically motivated circus designed to politically damage Trump in a way that prevents him from running for president again in 2024. Exactly. That's all this is about. This he Trump hurt the feelings of the Republicans that are on this sham committee. We know he's hurt the feelings of a lot of Democrats. But at the end of the day, it's wishful thinking that this ends up in any way making Kinzinger and the rest of this clown show look like anything but the buffoons they are when history is written about this sham committee. That's what they're hoping for, though. They that they are able, through this committee, to go back to their districts and they get showered with praise and adulation because they saved the country from the bad orange man. Too bad for them, the average American doesn't care about January 6th. They're wondering how they're going to pay for groceries and gas at this point. I didn't give a sh** about January 6th after, on January 7th. Who cares? It, it was obviously, it was all staged and fake. The average American is tired of politics as usual, and they're ready to put people in Washington, D.C., who are going to work on behalf of the voters' interests, not their own political interests. And that's what these delusional uh, lunatics like Adam Kinzinger don't get. They don't get the fact that we don't care about their political scores they're going to settle. The only thing I care about is the policy you're putting forth to make our country prosperous, to make me prosperous, that allows me to be prosperous, and that you quit sucking money out of my paycheck to send to foreign lands to wars we don't belong in, to launder it through countries we have no business sending funds to. That's what I care about. I don't care about your political, uh, your political pissing matches here. That's the delusion these people are under, and that's why we've got a, anybody that's on this committee, anybody that's aligned with this committee needs to be voted out. All right, I'll be on Rucksack Radio again on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central. The live show streams on Riverside FM with an interactive chat, and it is also streamed at the same time simultaneously on YouTube. The chat there is not interactive. We'll see your comments later if you're watching on YouTube and, and make a comment. We see them uh, after the fact there. Now, if you miss a live show, the recording's up the next day generally, sometimes the same day, some, sometimes the next day on that YouTube channel. It's Rucksack Radio YouTube channel. Tom and I both would love to have you tune in and join us. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.